0: Know, people don't take us seriously you know, i have so many different conversations with people where i don't believe they take me seriously i'll put it that way especially even, I, even when i network or go out to events and things of that nature i think they have a certain assumption of the type of film or story that i want to tell and that's unfortunate
1: it is i feel the same as that way i feel a lot of time i'm in the position where i have to prove that I am somebody to take seriously. And it's very frustrating. I shouldn't have to prove to you. But I do. Right. <laughs> I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing my thing. And I think the people that didn't take me seriously in the beginning, the ones that I felt solicited me or, mm-hmm. you know, wouldn't didn't believe in me. I'm sure they're watching now and they're taking me seriously. So
2: yeah, that's salute to that
1: network and hook up with people that do have the resources because you would be surprised at how many people in the world that actually have what you need if you just ask. A lot of people don't ask for what they want. And I would say just ask, network, go to film festivals if you wanna meet filmmakers because they do have access to equipment. And last, I just wanna say it's very important that artists stop caring so much about what other people think and say what's important, stand up for what's right, and just don't care about what people think. You have to grow as a person and as an artist, and you'll be amazing at the great work that you can make when you finally make a statement in your art and you stop being scared. So, Wrath City is about a fictional, angry little town and a Haitian woman who happens to live there, and she's being deported out of the town for committing an awful crime. And the film does make a lot of commentary on Black Lives Matter and police brutality. And it was inspired by the seven deadly sins. So what would wrath look like as a city? And so I'm basically showing you what Rath City looks like. When people look at me, they see me as a black person first, exactly. as far as I'm concerned. Right. I don't feel that they see me as a woman first, I feel they see me as black first. So my struggle is different from a white woman's struggle. My view is I wanna show the the unique experience of black people, cause we're oppressed in a different way. I, you know, my daily experiences are different from a white woman's experience. I relate in a different way. I'm very happy that we have the, the women in film movement, but I don't really feel that I'm being judged on my gender as much as race when I go through my daily life. So that's usually my priority in my mind. But I think that it's great that, you know, we have more women participating in films and stuff. It's definitely very, very difficult if you're a Black woman because you have those two strikes against you, you know, as soon as they see you, they see your skin color. So I really think that that needs to change. More Black women need to be seen in the leads, in film and television, and in positive roles. And we need to be given more opportunities than we're getting. So.
0: Oh, that's so true. I feel yeah. the same way as a, you know, as a man of color. I definitely feel that everything that you just said. People talk about women in film. I think it's a good movement, but I do think it's different? You must need a hashtag Black Women in Film because it's really a totally different ball game. And women yes. of film typically means white women in film, from my yes. perception and from the conversations that I've had with people. I still see that as a as a good step in the right direction because we do need more females behind the lens. Obviously, and that's just a no brainer. But when yeah. it, when you break it down into women of color, it's even worse in terms of you know how few opportunities there are that are out there. However, I think with this digital era and people like Ava and so many others, we can start to change that narrative. Good morning, folks, and welcome to the Cinema After Dark podcast. You know me as Max Cole. I'm the host and the producer of this show, and I'm broadcasting here live on the Mixler app. Shout out to everybody that's listening to this live. I really appreciate you joining me here this morning, but I'm broadcasting here from the entertainment capital of the world. Sunny Los Angeles, California. It is eight o'clock in the morning, eight thirty here, and my goodness gracious, it's supposed to be over a hundred degrees here in Los Angeles today. So I am sitting in the air conditioner and trying to stay cool because it's already very, very warm this morning. But there's nothing but blue skies, so I'm really looking forward to it. I got some folks outside. I got a little pool out there that uh, folks like to. Uh, really have some fun in so i'll probably hear that noise pretty soon and that is how my morning is going hopefully your morning is going pretty well here but thanks for joining us on this broadcast this morning i want to remind everyone listening that you can listen to all the episodes of the show if you subscribe to our podcast and itunes you can also find us on stitcher tune in soundcloud and google play remember if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show make sure you or they reach out to me via the contact link that is on our website over at CinemaAfterDark.com. Please make sure you have some skin in the game, though, prior to reaching out. And by skin in the game, you certainly need to have a few credits under your belt. We value that for our credibility, and my goodness, we've got to have something to talk about. I also strongly encourage you to follow us on Twitter at CinemaAfterDark for the latest updates. I want to remind everyone listening, this is an information and discussion-based show. We do not censor ourselves, and we sure... The hell do not censor our guests, so please keep in mind that there might be views and opinions expressed on the show that may not reflect the views and opinions of the host. Now, I'm excited for today's guest here this morning, a wonderful writer-slash-filmmaker by the name of Rachelle Cook. Let me tell you a little bit about Miss Cook. Rachelle Cook is a award-winning filmmaker and founder of the production company RMC Pictures. She often writes about love and justice. With music and spoken word often leading the narratives, she particularly likes to put women of color in lead roles. She wants to give them an opportunity to tell their stories. In 2015, her short film, sometime around January, was nominated for Best Short Film at the Shawna Shea Film Festival. In 2016, Mount Washington, another one of her shorts we're going to talk about here, won a special mention award for Best Indie Film at the L.A. Film Awards and we're going to talk about that quite a bit and we're going to also talk about her latest film too so I'm really looking forward to having her on the show and let's bring her on the show, Miss Rachelle Cook, how are you this morning?
1: Hi Max, I'm doing good, how are you?
0: I am good, it is a pleasure to have you here today so I appreciate you hanging out here early this morning. Are you in Los Angeles?
1: No. I actually live in Massachusetts near Boston.
0: Okay, so you're not East Coast time then. So it is 11 o'clock in the morning or so, 11.30 there around? Uh.
1: Yeah, 11.30.
0: Okay, cool. Well, let's dive right in here. I appreciate you coming on again and shout out to everybody that is listening to this live. If you have a question here for Rachel, feel free to plug that into chat and we'll make sure we get that question over to her. But let's start with your backstory. Give our listeners a little bit of context. Would you mind sharing where you were born and raised? And how you got started in this whole entertainment
1: thing. I was born and raised in Lewisburg, North Carolina. And it was actually through dramatic circumstances that I ended up in Massachusetts. It, you could literally write a film about it. But basically, I attended public school for the first time at 14. And then and in college... I thought I wanted to be a journalist, a sports journalist, but I eventually got bored with it. And I started taking filmmaking, like beginning videography classes. And I really liked what we were learning. And the professor told us that we should make our first film through Campus Movie Festival. Oh, yes. Yeah. They would supply the the camera and the editing software. So I took that opportunity to make my first film through there. And the second year when I did it, I, I got chosen as one of 16 films to screen oh, wow. out of 44. Mm-hmm. And eventually, like at first, I just wanted to make an animated movie because I love animated cartoons and comic books and stuff. Oh, me too. But Yeah, but it was too expensive and people kept telling me I should make a short film so that I can familiarize myself with the process. And I really didn't want to do it. I was so against it, but I'm really glad I did because I learned to really love it. It was very therapeutic for me. I was able to express my emotions and my feelings and everything that was going on with me at the time through film. And I loved it so much that I just kept going and I haven't been able to stop.
0: Wow. Fantastic cool that you liked you know animated cartoons me too and it was interesting that you mentioned sports journalism i love sports journalism actually it's something that i've even an area that i've been interested in even sports broadcast for that matter uh, always intrigued me that that's sort of how i got into doing broadcast myself i watch a lot of sports and i used to listen to sports broadcasts all the time and still do so oh,
2: wow.
0: yes but uh you know sports journalism is really cool so it's cool first of all for a female to be interested in that because you don't usually hear those stories often. And uh, it's really cool that that's something that you kind of shift gears with and, you know, obviously dove into cinema. Now I kind of wonder, you know, this whole film thing, you know, where did you really gather that inspiration, you know, to be a storyteller?
1: So when I was a child, I was always creating stories in my head or like playing with my siblings and pretending that we were in movies <laughs> Like we, yeah, we literally, we didn't live in such a great environment. Home environment, like I said, it was it was pretty dramatic. Like we didn't really have. There were periods of time where we didn't have electricity, and long periods of time where we didn't have food or anything. And you know, sometimes we would sing to get through it all. Wow! You know, it was an abusive situation, so there was a lot of fear involved. But we used music and our love for like cartoons and storytelling to get through. And then eventually, my brother and I would start writing. Comics on little sheets of paper, and and just from there, when we got out of North Carolina and into Massachusetts, I began like I continued with the comics, writing comics. Continued watching all the shows that I loved, and in 2011, I saw the movie X Men: First Class. Oh yeah, I yeah, I I was so impressed by the fact that they stayed true to the original cartoon X Men Evolution. That for some reason. It literally sparked something in me where i wanted to create my own my own cartoon movie i I have no idea why i just respected the fact that they stay true to the to the x-men evolution cartoon and i was like you know i really want to be involved in this world somehow wow but i i love writing and i love storytelling it's it's like one of the greatest things ever next to sports
0: (laughs) (laughs) by the way what sports do you like
1: I love football. I'm a Carolina Panthers fan.
0: Okay, okay. Cam Newton. I can't
1: stand the Patriots. I can't stand them.
0: Nice. You're in in Massachusetts and you you can't stand the Patriots. That is (laughs) fantastic. I love that. I'm a Steelers fan. I'm from Pittsburgh, so that is great. That is great to hear. I need to, you know, I might have to grab a sound bite from that.
1: And I I also love the NBA. I've been watching basketball since since I was like a little girl nice. when Michael Jordan was was dominating, so I absolutely love basketball and I could I can watch any team in any any game from basketball.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Ah, sports mm. background. Also writing comics. So were you drawing them too? Or were you creating like your own little comic book?
1: Yeah, we drew. We created our own warriors and we would do the, we would draw the characters and the designs of their armor and we would draw the villains and we were pretty good drawers back, back in the day. I haven't done it in a while, so I might be rusty, but I used to be able to draw pretty well. Me oh, and my cool. brother.
0: Yeah. So you have one sibling, right?
1: i have three others oh
0: nice very cool <laughs> goodness older yeah. younger
1: i have two younger siblings and i'm the second youngest and mm-hmm. then i have my youngest sister
0: because your whole cast right there you can your films <laughs> with them that's fantastic wow yeah. now are they supportive what are their thoughts about everything that you're doing right now because i think it's pretty cool Obviously it's kind of foreign to some folks and you know, obviously this generation is is different than even my generation in terms of film being a possibility as a career. But what do they think about you being a filmmaker?
1: Well, sometimes people have parents that don't really, you know, support it that some people have those parents that are like, oh, you can't make money with this. But with my mom, like she really doesn't care. Like she's she's very an independent woman. And she she encourages all of her children to be independent. She encourages me to do whatever I want with my career and my life. She doesn't like she doesn't have those views at all as far as oh you can't really make money with this you know she knows that i have a good head on my shoulders and she's always encouraging me to continue making films and she does give advice as far as other guidance in life like what road like what things i should i should look into as far as a career like she always talks about i have a state job so she always encourages me to keep it because of the pension oh yes (laughs) yeah absolutely but she doesn't Yeah, she doesn't pressure me or force me or anything, and she's always there for me when I need her for advice. She watches my films, and and I know that feedback from family is not very helpful, but she does offer some feedback, so she's very encouraging. Well, you know what?
0: I'm going to say one thing. Feedback from family is actually pretty good because they look at your films through a different lens, so it's cool that she gave you a little bit of feedback there, but please continue.
1: Uh, and my siblings are kind of a different story. Like they're, you know, I, I love them and you know, they're, they're great, but they're, they kind of, they do their own thing, you know? So, so I have to kind of, I have to go to them and be like i'm i'm having this event or i have this film out and then they would want to support me just just to support me but they're not into the same things that i'm into where we're all kind of i'm kind of like very different from them like we're, yeah. we're all very introverted but i'm more of a social introvert so they don't really like going to the events like that but they're you know they're very loving and supportive but just in their own way i guess <laughs> not outright like that i guess okay
0: i see yeah i see okay Okay. do they ask you like film advice or what your thoughts are on certain movies when you watch films together?
1: My sister, we actually my older sister and I actually have a lot in common as far as sometimes we get into these deep conversations about it's mostly about music, actually. Oh,
0: cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. To be honest, this is going to sound so odd but I'm more of a music fan than I am a film fan. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: I I understand (laughs) that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I enjoy music way more. I enjoy talking about it way more, but because I can't play instruments, I use that passion and love of music in my filmmaking and my sister and i we get into deep conversations in that way and she does show interest in the films that i made. because some because the latest short film i made was at the house actually where she lives and she had a bunch of questions and we would we would get into deep conversations about it
0: oh cool that's good yeah yeah music fan too yeah it's hard not to be it'd be honestly so much good music out there too and, yeah. and music and film i always say is the perfect marriage that's for sure
1: it is
0: yeah now obviously you're a woman of color in film i have to ask you this as a man of color in film because i that question's going to come up and questions about us you know being people of color in the film industry are i think are super essential are there certain people that influenced you when you got started because i've certainly have some influences but would you mind sharing some of yours
1: Yes. So I actually, the influences that I have definitely Rod Sterling, mm-hmm. he he wrote and produced the Twilight Zone. I mean, the old Twilight Zone, not yeah. the new one. That doesn't count. The <laughs> old Twilight Zone. I absolutely love it. You know, he used a lot of social commentary about human nature, like the errors, the faults of the human and, you know, oppression. And he he had a lot of commentary on equality. You know, it's, and it was so rare at that time to call people out and call humans out the way that he did. But and he did it in such a clever way. You know, it was very suspenseful. There was a lot of misdirection in his films, you know, a lot of twist endings. I think that he's like my favorite writer ever. I absolutely love that show. Uh, his his writing and his show is a huge influence on my writing And the direction that I like to go and am going in film with the misdirection and the social commentary and the twist endings. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Another person that I love is Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, me too. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I know a lot of people say him, and I, I'm honestly not doing it because everyone says him, but I honestly love his work. Like, I think he's brilliant. I also love the misdirection in his films, the suspense, the twist endings like Psycho and Rear Window. Yeah, window. They- yeah that was one of my favorites. Yeah. yeah the way he used sound design in rear window to make you feel as though you were in the room and you're listening to everything that's going on in everybody else's apartments. I, I just, I don't know, I just really love the directors that have something to say in their films. They make bold statements and they're not afraid of what others will think. And there are usually twist endings. So You have to work when you're watching their films. It's not an easy experience, but it's still very enjoyable.
0: Wow, very cool. Did you like Vertigo?
1: I feel like I've tried watching the film and I still don't understand it, which is okay because I'm I'm gonna go back and continue to continue to watch it and try and understand it. It's (laughs) I do love the, the fact that the man is obsessive, you know, I, I love subjects of obsession yeah. and manipulation that the dark part of human nature. I love movies about that and I love making movies about that. Absolutely. So I really appreciate. Yeah, I, I appreciate movies about like crazy people, you know, it's still difficult for me to understand but i'm gonna continue to go back to that movie and continue to watch it because like i said i like working for working for the understanding and being challenged when i'm watching a film
0: salute to that me too the audience is very smart uh you know i also like the birds i but i you know with uh, vertigo is cool because you know one of my favorite actors isn't that james stewart or that era so i love james stewart as an actor he's just a tremendous actor uh, yeah, he is. Yeah, but that's cool that Hitchcock, you know, influences your work. How about people of color, especially nowadays? I mean, obviously, we couldn't really say that as mm-hmm. we were sort of getting into film. But are there well, people of color that stick out to you that uh, I, influence you?
1: Yeah. I definitely love Ava Divine. Yeah she's a a black as you know a black female filmmaker and the way that she came up in the industry she didn't she didn't kiss anybody's ass like what i'm learning in this this i mean it's a very small film industry in massachusetts and rhode island Mm. but still there are great people okay but then like in any industry you have a few with huge egos And they expect you to kiss their ass and, (laughs) and, you know, not say certain things or, you know, do do certain things for them. You have to date certain people. And, no, you know, I'm not going to right. I'm not going to date you so that you can work with me. I'll go get somebody else or I'll do it myself. I'm not going to kiss your ass. If I have an opinion about your work or whatever, I'm going to say my opinion. I'm not going to not say something because I'm afraid it's going to offend you. I'm going to be myself. And that's how Ava was. She didn't lose her integrity. She didn't kiss anyone's ass or have sex with anyone to get where she was. She did it her own way. Absolutely. And she, and, yeah, she Absolutely. ended up making her own films and, you know, making the first $100 million film budget as yeah, a know, black right?
2: Fantastic. Yeah,
1: she she's amazing so i definitely look up to her that's the route that i'm going i'm gonna do this my own way i'm not kissing no one's ass i'm not dating you and i'm going to be <laughs> myself <Wow. laughs> In the- so
0: that actually really happens there are people out there who i guess yeah. I, I don't even know how you would describe like describe that they solicit yeah. you for sex yeah. and to date I guess, for relationships, for, for help with film?
1: Well, I don't. Experience it's just how I took certain interactions. Oh, um, my. Yeah, certain interactions that I've had with people. I took it to mean that, OK, you want me to date you in order for you to help me. There are certain situations that happen to me where. Wow. They didn't have to say it i just understood it you know i'm not stupid mm-hmm. i know what you want and you're not getting it and i'm moving on to the next and i'm gonna make the film and it's gonna be great you know so wow. unbelievable these are things mm-hmm. mm. like these are things that i've had to face unfortunately so.
0: wow yeah i'm glad you mentioned that i you know you hear about sexism and certain misogyny and different things like that i, I could imagine that happens well, I don't even know if that happens the other way around. I don't know. I haven't had any males come on the show and say, <laughs> that, you know, yeah. they had a hard time making a film or they, because they, you know, may have been solicited by a female. But I, I tell you what, I guess that kind of goes on in the industry or any industry for that matter that you're yeah. in when there are the um, opposite Male. sex involved.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. when when it's a male-dominated industry and you're a young, attractive female, it's definitely going to happen. You can't get away from it. Wow. It's just, um, and accept, you know, you have to accept it and handle it accordingly.
0: So I would imagine it would be the same if it were a female-dominated world, perhaps, and there were a lot of uh, handsome men that were joining too. So maybe that's just a human <laughs> yeah. thing. I would hope yeah. that it's just a human thing uh, rather yeah. than a um, a gender-specific thing. Now, what are your thoughts on hashtag Women and Film, the whole movement? You know, especially coming from the angle of a woman of color
1: hmm so i have how do i say this well so as far as the whole women in film thing i'm definitely in support of more women being in the lead roles as far as directing because we don't have any female directors well we have them but we don't have a ton like male directors i mean we don't have a ton of female producers and a ton of dps in the camera department right. so i and writers too. yeah I definitely support that. So I think that that's great that they're doing that. When people look at me, they see me as a black person first. As far as I'm concerned, I don't feel that they see me as a woman first. I feel they see me as black first. So my struggle is different from a white woman's struggle. My view is I want to show the the unique experience of black people because we're oppressed in a different way. I, you know, my daily experiences are different from a white woman's experience. I relate in a different way. I'm very happy that we have the, the women in film movement, but I don't really feel that I'm being judged on my gender as much as race when I go through my daily life. So that's usually my priority in my mind, but I think that it's great that, you know, we have more women participating in films and stuff. It's definitely very, very difficult if you're a black woman because you have those two strikes against you, you know. As soon as they see you, they see your skin color. So I really think that that needs to change. More Black women need to be seen in the leads in film and television, and in positive roles. And we need to be given more opportunities than we're getting. So
0: that's so true. I feel yeah. the same way as a you know as a man of color. I definitely feel everything that you just said people talk about women in film i think it's a good movement but i do think it's different you must need a hashtag black women in film because it's really a totally different ball game and women in film typically means white women in film from my perception and from the conversations that i've had with people i still see that as a it's a good step in the right direction because we do need more females behind the lens obviously and that's just a no-brainer but when yeah. it, when you break it down into women of color, it's even worse in terms of you know how few opportunities there are that are out there. However, I think with this digital era and people like Ava and so many others, we can start to change that narrative. So I'm really glad that uh, you mentioned that and we're able to share some of your perspective on that because I'm always curious to hear how it feels from women of color that are out there doing this thing.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Interesting. Especially as a man of color, I could go on and on about that probably yeah. alone. I think we get typecasts and you know people don't take us seriously. You know, I have so many different conversations with people where I don't believe they take me seriously, I'll put it that way. Especially even, I, even when I network or go out don't have to events and things of that nature, I think they have a certain assumption of the type of film or story that I want to tell, and that's unfortunate
1: it is. I feel the same as that way. I feel a lot of time I'm in the position where I have to prove that I am somebody to take seriously. And it's very frustrating. I shouldn't have to prove to you, but I do. (laughs) I'm I'm doing my thing. And I think the people that didn't take me seriously in the beginning, the ones that I felt solicited me or, Mm -hmm. you know, wouldn't, didn't believe in me, i'm sure they're watching now and they're taking me seriously so yeah
0: that's salute cool. to that yeah good <laughs> stuff lady md in the chat says integrity leads to success never compromise it great conversation max yeah. and rachel that is so true lady yeah. md and remember if you have a question for rachel feel free to you know, plug that in the chat and we'll make sure we get that to her let's switch gears here and kind of dive into your work some other things that i want to talk about but let's switch gears and Let's talk about you know the film you released last year, Mount Washington. It's a short drama. I believe it has some musical influences too there as well. Would you mind discussing that film and tell our listeners a little bit about the film?
1: Yes. Um. So it, this is a it's basically a short love story. It's about a woman that's in her room getting ready for a party that's about to happen. But the bad thing about it is her ex is coming to the party. Her Ooh. roommate invited her ex and this this whole party is happening right outside her door her roommate is pressuring her to come because they have a mutual friend there you know like there's a birthday or whatever (laughs) i i don't remember exactly because it was a couple years ago that i made it but she basically is she needs to go to the party And she's the whole film is just about you see her getting ready, getting mentally prepared and emotionally prepared, putting her makeup on, putting her clothes on. And in the midst of all of this, she's thinking about when the relationship with this man was wonderful. And then she's thinking about when the relationship broke down and when he hurt her. So it's narrated by music. So it kind of looks like a music video. And the music is basically what drove the entire story. The music is by local natives and they're, they're an independent rock band from LA. Yeah. And I, yeah, the song is called Mount Washington. And if you listen to the lyrics of the song, you understand why it's called Mount Washington, because he's explaining how it's an uphill battle of, you know, basically, Basically letting go of somebody that you once love and were in a relationship with. At least that's my interpretation of the song. It's an uphill battle to let go of that person and move on from that person. He's still in love with this person. He can't get over her. And he has hopes that they can be together again. And that's basically... What the woman in the film is experiencing, she has hopes. I mean, yes, she's angry and she's very anxious because she's afraid that she might be rejected by him Mm -hmm. when she goes to the party, because this is what we're all thinking. If we know an ex is going to be there, we're scared because we're afraid to be rejected. We're afraid that he might not, he or she might not feel the same way about us anymore. That's why we're scared. Uh, So she secretly has hopes that they, that he's still in love and they can renew their relationship. And I absolutely love the song, it's beautiful. I'm absolutely obsessed with it, and when I listened to the lyrics, the images of Mount Washington, the short film, came to mind. They, wow. they just, yeah, they just sprung to my mind. I didn't, I didn't have to write a script as far as dialogue and stuff because the images were already in my mind. I could have literally made this film without a script, right? <laughs>
0: it's like a, almost like a music video treatment. Uh, yeah, you know, did, did they have a music video for the song? Do you know? Did they eventually? Uh,
1: I, I don't think so, because whenever I would search the song on YouTube, I never found a music video.
0: Huh, interesting. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool you made a film out of that. I love music videos and just the influence of music and that, again, that perfect marriage between music and film, I think. That was one of the things that got me into music video directing. That's really how I started my film career was through music videos, so I love them Oh wow! The independent music videos. They had a music video program at musicians Institute, which was great because you really dove into music video production and it was cool to be around. And I was already, you know, uh, you know, s- somewhat of a, uh, I guess, professional in it at that point, but it was just worth doing because there's so many great bands and artists that come out of that school. And it was cool to be able to network and to still be able to network with some of those people because the indie m- movement is just awesome. And for me, I, I can't, like, a song's great, and I think it's nice to listen to music, and you get your own interpretation of that visually in your head. You can apply it to your life. However, when you watch a music video, it does something different, doesn't it?
1: Yes. It I, really I love does. music videos. <laughs> me
0: too, me too. It's sad that they've changed. You know, Obviously, you can catch them online now, and you, they're distributed so differently. But yeah. it's nice because I think you can share the work now even better more so than you can share these stories to share these videos every song that you hear there's a story behind it right
1: yeah definitely
0: yeah
1: basically the experience of that writer or musician i love music where the writer or musician is writing about their own feelings something that they went through a person that they loved who hurt them or a person that they hurt. I, I just love that raw, truthful music where it's coming from the heart, and you can hear the pain in their voices and in the instrumentation. Yeah. I, I love that kind of music.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a song for every feeling or emotion that folks go through and experience. You know, it's kind of like a, yeah, it's kind of like a kind like film in that way. Now you start to see more films that I think are basically a reflection of human behavior and and, and everything that we experience in human experiences. So. That film, by the way, was nominated for Best Indie Film at the LA Film Awards, correct? Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, congratulations oh, on that.
1: Oh, thank you. It actually won a special mention award there.
0: Oh, fantastic.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I was very I was very shocked, but you know, it's a great film festival. I'm I yeah. I'm so speechless, you know, that they that they like the film that much to to give me an award for that, but
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. That's isn't it awesome when that happens? My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> you can't control that type of thing. It's one of those things that, you know, it's got to be right for the universe. The universe has got to provide that. And cuz you can't control accolades and awards, you know, just try to make a good story and hopefully it resonates with people. At least that's my approach. I'm sure you take a yeah. similar approach. You know, you don't
1: Yeah, definitely yeah. I feel like this is speaking as somebody who's I screen a lot of films at film festivals, and I've won a few awards. But I feel that just because of film, just because my film gets into a film festival, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good film, because there are great films that don't get into film festivals. And a lot of times film festivals is just like politics and things like that. So I never take that for granted. I know that I can always be better in my filmmaking and I always strive to be better, you know, so.
0: Well, yeah. And politics, I would say, are uh, an interesting part of it, depending on the festival. But there are a lot of honest festivals out there that are looking for certain specific stories. And I think that's the thing with film festivals. They're looking for certain specific stories. There's usually one programmer and there are people that review the films sometimes yeah. sometimes there aren't there's sometimes there's just one programmer. so you're limiting it to whatever that perception is of your film that person's perception is of your film or the, the you know that group of people's perception is of your film secondly sometimes they have time slots and they have to get specific fill a specific time space so if like if your film's good, but there's a film that's two minutes as opposed to four minutes, then sometimes it will take that shorter film or the longer film, yeah. depending on the festival. So it can be subjective, but I think it's great to have your film in film festivals. That's what we aim for. We want to get the films out there on screens, and you know, yeah. be you know, be able to. If you, even if you're able, not able to go to film festivals, you want to make sure that folks have an opportunity to watch your film. Yeah, and that's a good way to sort of gauge. How the outside community is perceiving your film, perceiving your work. Is it resonating with them? Obviously it is. So yeah. that's quite an accomplishment. I think, you know, getting your film in festivals. I love film festivals, but we'll talk about that more in a bit. I want to switch gears and talk about this excellent recent film of yours, Wrath City. It's a short drama. Would you mind telling our audience a little bit more about this film? Because I believe there's a lot of commentary on. Black Lives Matter and police brutality.
1: Yes. So Wrath City is about a fictional, angry little town and a Haitian woman who happens to live there and she's being deported out of the town for committing an awful crime. And the film does make a lot of commentary on Black Lives Matter and police brutality. And it was inspired by the seven deadly sins. So what would Wrath look like as a city And so I'm basically showing you what Wrath City looks like.
0: Interesting. Interesting. What inspired the story? Was that the, can you dig into that a little bit more?
1: So basically a lot of big things inspired it. So I I was taking this workshop, this writing workshop in Boston, and I was the only black woman there, of course. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so a woman had written this this story. It's It was a really cool humorous story about these clowns that were oppressed. And they were trying to figure out a way to rise up from the humans and get more respect from the humans. And, you know, they were trying to basically fight the oppression of the humans. And what we do is when when someone writes a story, we go around in a circle and we comment on it. So everyone had gone around in a circle and commented on it. And then I was the last to speak. And I told her I really liked the story and I really appreciated it because of all the police brutality that's going on right now of black people. This was in 2016 when all those police shootings were were happening where unarmed black people kept getting shot and killed by them. So this was around that time. I was very scared and on edge. And, and also angry by the lack of a response and people in general. And then I see this story and I, I felt comfort in reading it and I really appreciated it. And, and so I told her that and immediately she said, oh no, it's it's not about that. It's about the bathroom laws, for instance. And then mm. I felt awkward because after that, everybody changed the subject. I had made I mean not not a lecture or whatever, not a of dramatic speech, but I had made comments on the police brutality. I, I had made comments on the oppression that black people are going through. And, you know, I thought that it was very important. And we're not talking about that. You know, they just they just moved on to a different subject. No one had any comments. I felt ignored and I felt marginalized and I felt stupid and I shouldn't have. So so at the end of that class, I was f- fuming. I was fuming inside. I, I was pissed off. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, right. you know, the teacher at the end of each class, she gives writing prompts and she asked us to come back to the next class and write a short story on it. So at the end of that class, she said, I want you guys. Okay. So picture the seven deadly sins. I want you guys to write a story on a city based on a sin. And I picked wrath And I came back with the short story, Wrath City. So it actually started out as a short story. I I wasn't planning on making a film out of it. I was just doing it because I was pissed off at these people.
0: (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's interesting.
1: And I wanted to show them their hypocrisy. And I was frustrated just in general about people's lack of concern and a lack of a response about the police killings of black people and the injustice. You know, so I was basically calling these people out, basically. And eventually it, it led to actually making the film.
0: Wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It's cool that you use the narrative to do something positive. And I feel like that is an interesting uh, component, I think. As a filmmaker myself, I have been inspired in a similar way. A lot of the films that I've told, especially my short films, I'm still working on the feature thing, but my short films have also been very similar in that regard. There's been influences. A lot of them have to do with social issues or issues that I think are important. So I've tried to really remain positive in my approach to storytelling. It's cool that you were able to do that too as well. It's something that I certainly... Uh, appreciate as a a filmmaker but we've got a question here private message from somebody in the chat lady md would like to know uh, you know as a filmmaker of color do you feel compelled or inspired to tell stories that discuss issues relating to the the whole black lives matter movement police brutality etc do you feel that sort of responsibility i don't know if that's the right word but Mm -hmm. does that inspire you uh, as well
1: well, it's funny, like somebody actually asked me this question. Somebody um, like a friend in real life had had asked me, are you because they noticed I have never made a, a political film or a film on social issues? Yeah, uh, this is the very first one that I've made. And and he asked me, are you doing this because you feel obligated to since you're black and it's like blowing up in the news? And and he's white. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like I was I was like, um, okay, pause. What does he mean by that? Right. And, and then I asked to like um okay um you know don't get upset over that question it's it's a valid question um but but the truth is i don't feel any pressure to tell any story or make any film um i've never made a film that i didn't feel passionate about i've never written anything that i didn't feel passionate about if i make a film it's because i feel very passionate about it and i'm inspired about it. Usually what happens I write and I make films if I'm feeling like pissed off about something
2: (laughs) or (laughs)
1: or if if I'm in love and I really want to express that emotion or if I'm very sad and you know I do it based off of the inspiration of my feelings. During that time in 2006 I was legitimately scared. I was very angry at the way people were responding Mm -hmm. even my On my Facebook, I didn't see a whole lot of response or conversation over this. And it's kind of hurtful because it's like, okay, do y'all care about my life? I mean, I don't know how to feel about this. So I felt very, very passionate about this. And I was very angry at the circumstances, feeling insignificant in that workshop. And there were other circumstances that inspired this too. I was at a filmmaking event and uh, this white filmmaker and i were talking about it because i uh, i was trying to look for a dp for the film and i was like this is about black lives matter and he and he went on this whole spiel about oh that's divisive Mm. and he he also started he he was kind of hitting on me at the same time telling me that my life doesn't matter he was explaining why it was divisive and why i shouldn't and that pissed me off too so it just gave me the extra fuel to make it you know so I never feel pressured or anything if I make if I'm making something it's for a reason and it's for specific people and I'm talking to specific people. So but as, as mm-hmm. far as feeling obligated, I think we all should feel obligated to say something in our art and to stand up for what's right. It's not right that black people are being killed and the police officers are getting off. It's not right that people that claim to be progressive and liberals are not being as outraged about this as other groups oppression. We have to talk about it. It is our responsibility as humans to post about in social media. We're living in a social media world. We can influence revolutions through social media. And if you have a gift like, you know, making films... You should put that in your art and talk about it. it is absolutely our obligation to do that.
0: Oh, So that. that is an excellent, excellent series of points there. It's cool that you're using film to express yourself, too. I want to start doing that more myself. It's something that I feel is really important. And I think some of your best work comes out of our, yeah, our emotions. And that's because that's yeah. we, we can that's a, a human characteristic that we all have. And no doubt about it, there's people that feel the same exact way. By the way, Lady MD says, inspiration brings forth great things. Thanks for answering that question, Rachel. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh,
1: Thank you for the, the question. Yes,
0: yeah, salute. And a shout out to Lady MD there in the chat. I appreciate you asking that question. Remember, folks, if you do have another question here, please feel free to ask. Now, how long did this story take to write?
1: I would say it took a couple of weeks, probably. I'm trying to remember, we had one class per week. Mm-hmm. So actually, no, I believe it took a week. I'm, I'm sorry, because we had one class a week and we had to have the story in the next workshop. So it took a, a week to write.
2: Probably right.
1: I actually didn't have enough time to rewrite it within that week. But mm. after the class, mm. I was working on it probably for a month to get it the best that it could be.
0: Oh, cool. Good. Good. It's cool that you had a class that had you do a writing exercise, you know, and then also you made the film. So that's what it's all about right there. You know, it sucks writing stuff and not seeing it on screen. That's for sure.
1: Yeah.
2: A
0: lot of folks make these screenplays. They're like, yeah, I've written like five screenplays, but it's like, if you don't get that film made, then. Uh, the writing is good and it, it helps you you know with your craft but i think the end of the day the end goal is to make something of it and that's why i always wonder some people will write all these big feature films i'm like have you ever thought about writing a short film or connecting with a filmmaker that could tell that story or you know producing yourself or whatever but yeah it's so important to get these stories told once they're written
2: yeah, that's the goal
0: so it's cool that you're able to make that what was the casting process like for you for this film it was hell. <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely hell oh my <laughs> because <laughs> um, you had a, a so, pretty hefty cast there i mean it's pretty cool oh Especially yeah for sure you got different. you know cops you've got some police yeah. officers you've got reporters you've got you know yes. some characters
1: <laughs> and it takes like it takes a lot to get all that stuff it worked out great in the end but during the actual process like in the beginning it it just wasn't working like like we would all, i was doing this with my friend she's an actress and a writer her name is dominique laflore hmm She's very good at at spotting actresses too. And this was the first time that I would hold auditions. So it was, I wasn't really expecting, you know, all of these things to happen. It was my first time. And I feel like I handled certain things wrong, but it was a learning experience. But I had a lot of situations where actors would email me after I would send out the job ads and then they wouldn't email me back after I followed up with them. So that was that was a waste of time. That was discouraging. And then I would have situations where actors would I would make appointments with actors to show up at the auditions and they would no show me. That was frustrating. Wow,
0: I hate that. Yeah.
1: I yeah, that's that's just so disrespectful and insulting. Right. My time is valuable. I do not I did not like that. Yeah. Or for like one or two actors that would show up completely unprepared. Oh, that's to- the
0: worst. <laughs> oh, I yeah. hate that. I feel <laughs> you in that.
1: Not taking the script seriously so that was it was a very discouraging process but through that process i did find claire elizabeth davies and yeah. katie scardino they played the character of Myra and Josie, respectively, and they were great. Claire, as you know, she knocked it out of the park on the first audition. Wow. Me and Dominique, like we were like wowed by her. Claire is absolutely nothing like the character of Myra. (laughs) (laughs) But she's so great at what she does. She really makes you believe, you know, that this character, you know, this character is so hateful and so ignorant. And she's so great at what she does that she makes you believe it. Right. So good.
0: So good. Solid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've had had the luxury of watching. So I second you on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh. The character of Josie, she's supposed to be naive. She's supposed to be kind of the comedic relief. She's not hateful, but she is ignorant and she swears she's a good person. And she probably is. But, you know, you need to take your white privilege and, and, you know, responsibly. You need to not be ignorant about these issues and you need to fight against it and not justify it. And that's what Josie does. So I needed that kind of person that that can play charming, but naive at the same time. And Katie, Katie was great at it at the audition. So I found I found those gems, and I had to fire a person, you know, mm, for, yeah. for a weak role, mm-hmm. and I ended up casting Sean Brown last minute, like mm-hmm. two days before the actual shoot. Wow,
2: because, did a good job!
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, as you can imagine, it's hell when you have to fire someone, yeah. you know, because because of several missed rehearsals. You need to take your work seriously. Salute um,
0: to that. <laughs> Even Chris in the chat says that time is precious. And, uh, yeah. that's the truth, but yeah, you're right about that. I, oh, there's no, that's just something that everybody's got to take seriously, especially if you're doing yeah. this, if you want people to take you seriously, you've got to put in the time and those who do have successful careers typically, you know, it's, it's really that simple and that goes for any career. You got to put in the time, got to put in the work, got to be serious, got to be professional.
1: Yes. So Sean, he did an amazing job. He's very professional, very reliable, and he's a great actor. I thought he did amazing. And he only had two days to rehearse the entire script. And that's what he did with it. Like that's wow. amazing. So that's I, I hope I can. Uh, yeah, he was, he was fantastic. So I, I hope I can work with him again in the future.
0: Oh yes. See, <laughs> that's how it works right there. Folks. You go, you do a good job. People will remember. That's yes. just the way it is. That's how this industry works. That. uh that working relationship there is so critical. You know, people want to work with people that are serious, focused, determined, have good energy that are there for the same purpose that you're there. And that's to create a good movie and to get it done, to have fun while you do it and to, uh, you know, just kick ass. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Last but not least, there's Leica, Leica Lucian. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: She she played the, the character of Marie Mm -hmm. and, this was actually the first film she's ever done. She has a theater background, so she's she's a she's mainly a theater actor. So I actually we we worked very hard in rehearsals. Um, I had to retrain her for the camera because right. theater acting is different from film acting. Oh yeah,
0: they're very um, big sometimes, yeah. very dramatic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so we did. We, you know, she worked so hard during rehearsals, and we were able to. Basically retrain her from the the theatrics, you know, to to the mellow, um, composed, basically numb Marie character. So so she did amazing, and I was I was very happy with the way the casting worked out in the end. But in order, like where where I was, how I got there, it, it wasn't fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was actually kind of wondering about some of the challenges. So casting was one of them. many others.
1: Yes. Um you can think well, of it for
0: sticker. I,
1: we we had to do some a couple reshoots too. I'm trying to remember I think it was one reshoot because of something that was like out of out of our control that had happened. So we had to do a reshoot. So the film ended up being completed later than i anticipated it but mm-hmm. you know sometimes things happen out of your control and you have to do a reshoot or you know reshoot a scene that you had scheduled that you couldn't shoot before right um so that's, that was
0: that's a good pointer though actually it's kind of interesting you say that sorry to interject again but you know i have a <laughs> friend recently who shot something for her job and uh, i was telling her to, you know she should go back and reshoot it and it was funny because it was her first time picking up a, a phone she actually used her cell phone to shoot something and she did like a mannequin routine and it was cool that she dove right in and it kind of took, took the, you know, just kind of made it happen with her iPhone and it came out pretty good, but it, she was like, yeah, there was a sign in the picture. And I was cracking up because, you know, that's the kind of funny stuff that filmmakers often encounter when they're shooting. You know, you've got to reshoot sometimes. Sometimes you yeah. you see something or notice something when you go back and edit it, you're like, Oh, I can't believe that was there. So it was, yeah. it's cool hearing your, uh, you know, your, some of the craziness that happens. But when you reflect on that, it's what helps you grow, right?
1: Yes, definitely. This whole pro, like this was the most ambitious film I've had to work on. Um, It's the most ambitious film I've made and produced. Um, it, It took a lot to get the final product. It took a lot of blood, sweat, and struggle. But it was very, it's very rewarding in the end to see the final product. It's finished, it's done, and we did the best that we could out of it. And honestly, this is preparing all of us for feature filmmaking because, you know, when you're doing a feature, you have to make the tough decisions like firing people, reshooting. Yep. And it, this experience also taught me how to, you know, I was able to retrain a theater actor to film. Right. And
0: by the way, Chris in the chat says it's good that you were able to help her transition from the theater acting into film acting. So. That is awesome. But please continue. Just wanted to say that.
1: Oh, oh, thank you. Yeah, that was definitely a learning experience. It's very fun to work with actors. And, you know, because I take workshops hosted by actors to teach directors how to communicate with actors because I don't have an actor background. So I want to try to communicate with them in a way that they can understand. So, you know, I I was able to use those techniques during the filming of Wrath City. And I hope that it paid off. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, if I get a good response, then I know that it all paid off in the end. So.
0: Right. And you may not even see the benefit of that now. And, and what, what I mean by that is that that actor is going to be impacted by that for life. So well, you may not realize your impact with that relationship, that, that interaction, but how that echoes out throughout the that individuals obviously their career as time progresses her her career that's going to certainly be an experience that may transform their lives and obviously you hopefully that reflects itself in, in the film too as you said but there's little things like that i think mean a great deal they really do and not only that not only does it help her growth but it also helps your growth as a filmmaker too to yeah. uh, have that interaction so film is such a collaborative experience i find that everything that happens during that collaboration is so critical even if you don't see the benefits of it and the way that we can perceive benefits of it the benefits of it can sometimes help in, in ways that we don't even really imagine and it's important to reflect on that sometimes so
1: well, that's true
0: yeah so salute to that that is really really awesome by the way real quickly location too. you you shot a friend's apartment right or or house or what was that how did that work yeah
1: it was actually the house that i live in right
0: now (laughs) oh cool well that's even better that's fantastic so you already were from see that's great because you have a controlled space and Uh you can shoot whenever you want (laughs) That's
1: great. (laughs) yeah Yeah, i
0: love that yeah how did that work out was it challenging for the set design and things because you made it work
1: It was perfect for the set. I I worked with the director of photography was Mike's son. Uh, He worked with me from the very beginning of pre-production. He was there working closely with me on it and he he did a great job. We were looking for a location and we would, you know, as for me, I would go to people and you know how you get those empty promises. Oh, I'll help you. And then they're not on the ball. Like, oh, yeah. like I said, my time is valuable. You know, if you're not going to help, then I'm just going to do it myself. I'm just going to shoot it in my house then because I have, you know, we have a film to do. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I brought Mike's son over and he thought it was perfect for the film. I was having doubts, but... He was like, Rachel, this is perfect. This is the exact tone that we need for the film. This woman, you know, she doesn't live in a lavish apartment. You know, she's she struggled her entire life. It makes sense for the film and the set dressing. I got some fake newspapers made. Some oh, fake no, you
0: said it. You said, oh, no, you did. You trumped it. <laughs> <laughs> brutal, brutal. Oh, no. Sorry, That's just, oh fake news! Yeah. Oh God, it kills me. But uh, yeah, please continue. Sorry, I had to.
1: <laughs> so I I got some yeah some fake newspapers made and <laughs> we we spread it out on the floor in the living room and you know I took my old beat up shoes and I placed them there. I just I just took what was around the house and placed it there to make it look like. You know, there was a struggle there and like she was living in that corner for the for the last few days. So I'm very happy with the set design too and the cinematography that Mike's son did. He's yeah, like did a good job. one of the most talented DPs I've ever worked with.
0: Oh cool that you got to collaborate with him. By the way, he did a great job and it's cool the mood of the film I think it reflects everything. I think it's interesting hearing your you know, obviously after after watching it myself, I it, it had like a darker feel to it. It has a a really unique vibe I, I was just talking to uh chris in the chat where we he made a comment about locations and how small well, cities particularly make have influence a uh, you know film but they become a, and i was saying you know they become a character and your location really is a character in this film
2: yes so, that's
0: so true so it's cool and it starts a certain mood i think that's for folks that are listening to this that are creating films themselves it's so important the locations you choose and how that impacts the film sometimes i think it's better to even take a backwards approach and most of the time especially with indie films you want to write the film potentially around the location that you have available too so that you can actually get yeah. the film made <laughs> but, yeah. but also that character does become a part of the film, so
1: yeah, that is that is a struggle that a lot of filmmakers have. Sometimes they'll write scripts for locations that they can't afford, and then it doesn't end up getting made. Yep. So yeah, that's definitely true. It's better to write for like an apartment or a park or something, and it challenges me personally to be extra creative and create an extra unique concept if i'm if i'm writing a contained script it's you know it challenges me how can i make this one location film be you know the most interesting and most entertaining film i like challenging myself in that way
0: oh good stuff that is fantastic i do too that is great to hear now the most beneficial parts of this creative process here quickly what were the best parts I mean when you when you think back you reflect on this what really stuck out is like something that was just fantastic like this you know you just felt really good about obviously completing it but anything that sticks out
1: definitely the collaborative process um it it took a lot of collaboration to make this film possible in post-production i worked with our sound mixer rick murray Mm, and he taught me how to properly sound design and sound edit a film how to probably how to properly get it ready for editing as far as merging and synchronizing audio and video files so he is it was definitely a, a a collaborative process. I, collab- I collaborated um, very closely with Mike during pre-production. So, you, you know, we did test shoots and, nice. you know, he, he taught me things that I didn't know before. This was definitely preparation for a feature film. I learned how to properly produce and produce the film and edit, you know. So I would say it's definitely the collaborative process, learning from the people that I worked with.
0: Well, fantastic. We- Oh, yes. That is what it's all about right there. (laughs) Does this have a message?
1: Oh, the film? Oh, oh, yes. In this film, I don't care so much about the racist people or, you know, (laughs) I I don't care about their, I don't need them to like black people or me or love us. Who I'm talking to in this film are the progressive people in this country, the liberals in this country that are outraged over human rights violations. Mm -hmm. You're outraged over women's human rights violations and the human rights violations concerning gay people. If you're outraged over that, you need to speak up when black people are getting killed and when we're being oppressed. We are humans too. If you're going to speak out against other groups, you need to include us. Don't say that you are for human rights if you are silent when black lives are being killed. So true. Yes. Be about what you preach about. So I'm talking to them in this film. Basically, stop the hypocrisy and say something. Wow. When we die. So
0: that is a hell of a message. Yes. My God. Now yes. film festivals. I know that's probably one of your goals. What are some of the goals for this film?
1: So I'm, I'm actually figuring out other ways besides film festivals, nice. because
0: a little online we- distribution, a little, uh, little Vimeo link. Are you going <laughs> to.
1: Well, mm-hmm. everything ends up on Vimeo, but I'm definitely figuring out other ways to distribute. I'm researching a lot i may look into colleges and universities great idea yeah because they need to hear this too like this is a message that needs to go around the entire country so i'm not going to depend on just film festivals it's my responsibility to get it out there not somebody else's so i'm definitely researching and i'm looking into different ways to get the film seen
0: in fact do that i'm telling you that will work i've had people that done that for documentaries. So many different. You have to target schools. Schools will bring you in. They'll pay you to come out and to talk Aww. about and show the film. You will be surprised how many people don't really utilize the education system to tell these stories. You have oh, to do that. Wow. I'm telling you, you will receive great, great, great feedback, especially even around the country. So I would really look into that. You know, and then sharing the, the link with folks and getting into the right people at school districts and not even just college. Of the middle schools will love this stuff too. So, you know, wow, certain you can do that for sure. So, oh, good stuff. Especially, I would
2: definitely do that.
0: Yeah, look at social. Look at certain social groups too. That there's there's a lot of avenues. Let's put it that way. We'll uh, maybe have to share some some resources with you offline. Just to let you know that there's avenues out there. I work in education too, on the technology side of education, and you know I'm constantly being able to watch films at certain events uh, and. Bring people out, so yeah, just uh, keep that in mind and make sure you use that resource because okay. you it'll also spark discussion about the film, which is what you want. And I think you yes. have a lot of talking points here for sure, yes. So, yeah, it's uh, fantastic. What's next for you?
1: Um, I'm basically editing this other short film on women's rights, and it's basically a black woman's perspective on the women's rights movement as well as the whole Trump controversy and it's basically a black woman's perspective of that i i can't get into a lot of i can't get into the details because i'm not really supposed to talk about it right but it's it's definitely i'm working on it i'm editing it and it should it's a short film that will be out next year so i'm working on that and i want to go back to the roots of the bittersweet love stories that i that i was doing before this year yeah that narrated by music i i definitely want to continue to do that so I, i'm working on a script called not in love and it's based on this 1970s song by 10 cc the song is called not in love so nice. i definitely want to do that
0: oh my <laughs> and,
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> love that stuff and it's i love a good love story too they're hard to find and sometimes yes. I, I like stories too that tell the darker sides of love because it can be quite dark that's for sure. Yes. You know, you, know you, yes. You, you want a happy ending, but my God, it sometimes it just doesn't end so happy. And sometimes it's just dark.
1: Yes, because that's how my love life has been. <laughs> I so I want to tell this.
0: Stuff. Shit, I tell I you what.
1: <laughs> I hear you.
0: Mine too. It's been dark as hell. Let me tell you. Jesus. I could probably write all day about it. I don't because that pisses me off sometimes when I start to write about my own personal life. It just gets me irritated. There's been some, and There's been some good parts to that, you know, some really great friendships i have a okay. just a tremendous friendship with somebody who was a uh, a girl that i dated for quite a long time during my college years and she's probably one of my best friends now so uh-huh. I, that that actually came out of that really good came out of that. but i've had some dark inter- like some really just sucky sometimes you just meet people that just aren't right for you you know yeah
1: but i do want to say quickly even though it's my love life has been kind of on the somber side. (laughs) I do do appreciate, I can sit, some people can say that they've never been in love, but I've been in love at least once, like head over heels in love. And it's a beautiful, blissful feeling and experience. And that's something that you can remember forever and make films about. So I very much, I very much value the fact that I was in love once and (laughs) I can write about it. So even if there's pain, I, I, grateful for
0: the pain because it's it's all a beautiful thing oh that is so true i'm glad you said that you know i was getting kind of dark there i was i was going down <laughs> that way i like i like a good dark story but it's so nice to hear that you've actually experienced that And i think there's a lot of things that you can talk about when it comes to love like heartbreak and there's a lot of things that we yeah. go through that everybody can relate to yeah, yes so. Definitely. so yeah it's a really cool hearing what's going on in your world, that sounds like a fantastic thing. By the way, Lady M D said love is a beautiful thing, so keep writing about it. And Chris said, "Now, so so true." And uh, he also wanted to like, I'd love to see the uh, the film. And Lady M D said, "Wow, great conversation, great message." But you know what, Rachel, oh, I'm so mad at you right now. And I'm going to do something to you that I do to all of my guests, and I've got to do this to you. And I hate to do this. I mean, you've been so fantastic on this podcast here but I've got to do this to you and ah, it's just terrible of me I really hate doing this especially this early in the morning I mean it's obviously afternoon now there but I know you're probably thinking about lunch and I'm thinking about breakfast but I've got to do this to you and those that are listening they're probably familiar with this and I uh, they have mercy for you I just got to ask you if you are ready for it and if you are willing to uh, you know participate in this Okay, what is it? <laughs> I can't tell you. That's the thing. That's what's so jacked up about Max here. I can't really tell you what this is, but it's something that I do to all of my guests. I, it's just something okay. that you even, you have the option to continue with it or you can opt right. out of it.
1: Okay, um, I'll say yes. I'm my goodness. seeing if that's what
0: you... Is. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you have an opportunity to do that. Let me, oh, wait, let me just give you a second here. Let me give you a second to let it... Are you sure you want to go through with this? I mean, I can't promise uh-huh. you this is going to be...
1: I I have to say yes, because I'm very curious.
0: Oh, my goodness. It's amazing how people are so curious. I mean, you can tell them that something bad might happen, yet that human instinct lets them dive right in. Oh, my goodness. Well, let me not hold you back any longer. <laughs> no. Rachel, I see you got quiet there. This is the part of the show where I ask guests to share a fun fact about themselves. My goodness. Isn't that all that for this, right? Mm -hmm. A fun fact. Now, this fun fact has to be something that people don't know about you. We've had folks share some embarrassing fun facts. So if you've got one that's kind of embarrassing, it'd be nice to hear that. But I'm going to put the spotlight on you. A fun fact. Gosh, I'm trying to
1: think... (laughs)
0: People listening have to find this out for the first time.
2: Gosh.
0: Anything embarrassing? Sorry,
2: just thinking.
1: I I hate getting wet.
0: Oh. So like, you know, water like how you know, water balloons, you know, the the old hose, the old the old garden hose little uh, I hate water park water.
1: <laughs> as, as odd as sounds.
0: really no pool no uh you know a shower you run from the shower what's what's the deal with that that's <laughs> oh, a little I have uh, to intriguing a
1: shower, yeah but i <laughs> i have to take a shower but i i just yeah it's i hate water i don't like the feeling
0: <laughs> oh my so when it rains you're uh, you're running for the hills
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't
0: like it. Oh my goodness. Brutal, (laughs) brutal. That's an, that's a interesting fun fact there. A little water on her. Okay. Okay. No outdoor shooting for you then, huh? No, no in the rain uh, film shoots then, huh? Yeah, it's,
1: it's not a, I don't like the
0: feel. Is it cold water? Is it hot? I mean, like hot water sometimes can feel great. Like or cold if it's like a hundred degrees. So say I go outside right now, like, uh, you know, if I'm sweating bullets, maybe I'm running. I don't know. That rain, that water can feel so therapeutic. You don't ever just want to stand yeah, in the rain yeah. there, Rachel? A little, you know, a little, stand, <laughs> little singing in the rain there?
1: I think if it's really hot, I can tolerate it, yeah. Because when it's hot, like, I i hate sweating i i just don't like water <laughs> i don't i hate sweat i don't like it
0: uh, hilarious that is a great fun fact uh, hilarious so folks listen out there if you see Rachelle, make sure you have a squirt gun with you and just squirt her a couple times and blame max for it i would love that <laughs> that's a cool one.
1: I don't want people to get the wrong idea. I shower. So I don't get
0: the wrong idea. <laughs> oh, folks in the chat are cracking up about that. They'd appreciate that fun fact. Uh, never take a water pistol on set if you were working with Rachel. That's so true. <laughs> Dipper says that's a good fun fact. Yeah, that's a good one. I appreciate you uh sharing that. Now, we are approaching the end of the show. I appreciate you sticking around for as long as you have. Now, is there any advice that you would like to share with someone that might be listening to this podcast right now? Maybe they want to do what you're doing right now. Maybe they don't have the resources. Maybe they don't have the courage.
1: Well, I would say definitely network and hook up with people that do have the resources because you would be surprised at how many people in the world that actually have what you need if you just ask. A lot of people don't ask for what they want. And I would say just ask, network, go to film festivals if you want to meet filmmakers because they do have access to equipment. And last, I just want to say it's very important that artists stop caring so much about what other people think and say what's important, stand up for what's right and just don't care about what people think. You have to grow as a person and as an artist and you'll be amazing at the great work that you can make when you finally make a statement in your art and you stop being scared—just you know, wow. just
0: grow up. Statements. So true. So true. Express that voice. Use that. Use that creative muscle of yours, and to speak yeah. up about certain things. To say how you feel. Just be yourself. Be the authentic yeah. version of yourself. Because I think at the end of the day, when you look in the mirror, you want to know that people, you know, know who you are, respect you for who you are. You know, you don't have to put uh-huh. on a persona. And yeah. when she said hook up with folks, no, no soliciting there, not a little, you know, <laughs> not a, no sex going on there. You don't need to sleep with people or exactly. solicit them to yeah. work with them. And I think that's a very, very important boundary that people need to set and establish for themselves in this industry. And I'm saying that as a male, because that's ridiculous. And I think sometimes there's assumptions that are made and things like that. But you know, you, this is a business, you know, you, you can't mix your business with your pleasure you can't after hours, but <laughs> sorry, <laughs> because people have met. I mean, on film sets, and you know that that has happened. So, but when it's time to make the movie magic, that stuff's not even tolerated. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. My God, I've seen some crazy stuff happen, Rachel, on music video sets, big music oh. video sets. My God, when I was uh, kind of breaking into the industry, uh, behind the scenes, there as a lot of things that were. Happening on some of these crazy. I have some of the craziest music video set stories. Oh my god, jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll um, leave it at that. Before we wrap, you know, is there anything that you want to plug? Websites, Twitter, Facebook, Vimeo. How can folks get in touch with you?
1: If you want to see my films and also the Wrath City trailer, go to my Vimeo, my Vimeo site. It's www.vimeo slash my first name, R-A-E-S-H-E-L-L-E. And also my Twitter at R-M-C-P-I-C-T. So you can you can basically get to me through those websites.
0: Fantastic. I appreciate you sharing that. I'm going to plug that in the chat here your vimeo and uh that information will be included in the show notes for sure so shout out to everybody that has been listening to this live and all the great participation there in the chat really appreciated all of that Thank you. it's been fantastic and by the way uh, appreciate you know shout out to all those that um are listening not in the chat there i appreciate you all tuning in as well what a great great discussion this has been miss i am uh, fascinated by it by the way are you doing more music videos are you doing any music videos do you is that something that you do in addition to your film work
1: actually yes i have done music videos and i'm i am in talks to do a music video in november Mm -hmm. for one of my friends who's an actor and a musician it's it's basically a beauty and the beast type of music video and of Mm. course i want to add you know what i'm good at adding that tragedy and that trauma to the To the beautiful, innocent Disney type of music video. I want to add that to it. And I wasn't talked to direct a rock music video. Cool. But I've been so busy Mm -hmm. that I need to follow up with him on that. Mm -hmm. But I definitely, yeah, I direct music videos as well. So, yeah.
0: Wow. Fantastic. (laughs) Very cool. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the program here this morning slash afternoon there for Mm -hmm. some my buddy's Chris. Chrissy's in the UK, so it's uh, a little bit in the mid afternoon there, about eight hour time oh. difference there. So oh, okay. Cool. Yeah,
2: he's
0: tuning in from uh the UK there. But it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I gotta bring you back here for an update in the oh. near future.
1: Definitely. Thank you, Max, for allowing me to be on the show. I really had a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Glad. I appreciate it's my pleasure. I really appreciate you coming on and Spending this morning. We had a little bit of technical difficulties there, but we worked through it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and thank you always for fun. being patient.
0: Oh, yeah. No worries. No worries. I i love this stuff. And I love having guests on the show that share wonderful stories that are doing, you know, just creating stories, inspiring others, using this wonderful platform we have to influence and impact the lives of others and to be a voice. And I especially fond of women of color that are out there doing this, people of color, because it's a different ball game for us. No matter which way you look at it, it is just a different ball game. So it's, I appreciate you know, having you on the show to share your story with our listeners and certainly re- give you some godspeed ahead with some of the uh, stuff that you're working on. And you know, obviously success with you know, your latest film, Rast City. is going to be Fantastic. So I appreciate you coming on and chatting it up a bit.
1: Thank you, Max. I really appreciate that.
0: Absolutely. Well, folks, I think it's time for us to fade out here and go to a short break and some closing thoughts. Remember, folks, if you weren't listening to this live, you certainly can catch the podcast version here. It should be available in a few days. I'm behind on a few episodes. I've had a rather crazy week here, but we're going to get those up to you very soon. But, ladies and gentlemen, that was Rachelle Cook. Make sure you check out Wrath City. Check out her work. Check out her Vimeo. Follow her on Twitter. My goodness, squirt her with a water gun. And, <laughs> and on that note, we will be back with more after this break. Again, thanks for listening live, folks. And welcome back to the Cinema After Dark podcast here this morning. Before we wrap, I want to thank our guest this morning, Miss Rachel. Cook, what a fantastic discussion that was! Make sure you know you check out her latest work and check her out. She is somebody that is on the rise, doing her thing, in this fantastic film community that we have here, this Cindy Film Community. Really, really love it, and hopefully you enjoy it as much as I do. I want to send a special shout out to everybody that's been listening to this live here on this Saturday morning. I really appreciate you all tuning in here as you begin your day, and some of you midway through your day there. Hopefully your Saturday is filled with peace, kindness, and adventure. I also want to thank those of you that are tuning into the podcast version of this. Obviously, the show does not exist without your wonderful years listening out there. So please continue to spread the word about this show. I would greatly appreciate that.